Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Because I remember, I think I went on Sky during that time. Yeah. And I was like begging you up saying, yeah. He, Alex. I think I saw that, you know. I'm not saying that. I'm guessing. That was the one giving you the positive PR. The positive PR. That was the plan to get you on the team, but yeah. <laughs> Hello listeners and welcome back to another episode of the Beautiful Game Podcast. I'm your host Dot. I'm joined with my main man Dej. What are you saying to me? I'm blessed my bro. Obviously we're Manny today. Took the train down. Dot took man to Tattoo Restaurant. <laughs> Got the XL rice and the lamb chops. But it was a good vibe man and we're here. Bro, this is one that we've been pressing to try and mm. do for a very, very, very long time. <laughs> but before we introduce our special guest, I just want to plug the socials. Follow our TikTok at TBG Pod, our Instagram at pod underscore TBG, and our Twitter at podcast underscore TBG. We are delighted to announce we are joined with Everton footballer Alex Awobi. Welcome, welcome, <laughs> welcome, bro. Thank you for having me. Welcome, G. No, I love for coming on. As Dot was saying, bro, we've been pushing for this for like 18 months to two years. We've been speaking to like the big boss since I like, listen, don't worry, you guys, you'll get a Wolby. So <laughs> to finally get it done, man, like big up for coming. No, I appreciate you lot coming down to Manchester. I know it's not easy. Yeah, because we're from the ends, obviously yeah. similar area, yeah. you know, that trek down, yeah, that trek, yeah, it's not easy. Bro, for the love of this content, we've made a commitment this year that anywhere, whether it's Spain, France, Manchester, <laughs> Scotland, we're there to yeah. record content. Yeah, I respect that. So yeah, man, to kick things off, take us back to the beginning, the humble beginnings. Depends how far back you're trying to go, bro. Far, far. <laughs> As in like grassroots. Grassroots, so let's start there. Right, so um, I started off playing in Newham, East London, for a team called Ripaway. And the manager, Steve McKenzie, took me like, like his son. Still talk to him to this day. Then... From there, I had the decision to sign with either West Ham or Arsenal. So I was scouted from the age of six, decided to choose Arsenal at the age of nine. Then the story just continues from there. Got my scholar, signed my professional contract. Then made my professional debut at 19. Okay, so when was that moment where you had that sort of knack of a talent? Because you know, there's always that baller in the ends that you're like, oh, you know what, Alex, he's going to the top. Like, yeah, forget it. He's... <laughs> Did you um, have that moment or were you sort of like a slow burner? Slow, slow, slow burner. Um, like when I was young, I was always, always known in ends for 
he's a talented footballer, like he's gifted. Obviously, my uncle played a private eyes, a coach's nephew as well. But um, yeah, no, I'll probably say I realised that I had a chance of making it after like when I signed my first professional contract. That's when I thought, oh, I have a real chance of making it because every time before then, there's always say, oh, there's always one per chance or one percent chance that you're gonna make it, sort of thing. But um, I say after my professional contract, I thought, yeah, I have a chance of making it. Because mm, you had like some knockbacks as well, getting yeah. released like twice. So talk to us about that because people now will see uh, Alex Iwobi, Everton, badding up the league. But you have to go through like some adversity and I think we need to preach that side as well as the glitz and the glam that the media like to portray as well. Yeah, so yeah. talk to us about like the... Nah, so um, when I was um 14 and 16, I, had, I was 14, I had the talk with the head of the academy and he said like, because I was one of the youngest in the team because I was born in May in the school year. So they said, oh, like you haven't grown and you're not physically developed like others. So you need to work on that. You need to work on your pace. And I got sent to one place in, I think it's like near Tottenham called Lee Valley just to work on my pace, like do extra running and that. Then, um, so yeah, they said they're going to let me go. But because of my technique, I was able to stay and push on. I wasn't playing like my own age group. I always be on the bench. Sometimes I don't even play but they were patient with me, so I have to give them credit that they had faith in me. Then when I was 16, um, they said like, you can sign your scholarship or you can leave. And that was a big setback because my age, I was playing for England at the time. Yeah. And everyone that got offered a scholar, or everyone that played for England got offered a scholar and a professional contract. I was the only one that didn't get that offer. So they were like, oh, if you want to leave, you can leave if you want. Now we won't hold it against you. But I thought, no, nah, I've had all these obstacles before. I just like to prove my point, so decided to stay. And like I said, the, the story continues. And how supportive were your parents? Obviously, having Nigerian parents, <laughs> we know school, Sundays, church, tradition, <laughs> without fail. So how was it having like Nigerian parents? Um, I'm grateful for the parents I have still support me to this day. Um, they've always, they know how much I love football. So they've always pushed me as what well, as much as it's hard to like balance football and schoolwork. They always understood when I'm coming home from training, I'm tired, I still have to do my homework, but they'll be on to me, but they understood like how much sacrifice I put into football, as well as I understood how much sacrifice they put in for me to get in the position I am today. So I have to give credit to them because they're very understanding. What and do you think that's because of your uncle? Because obviously JJ Koch, I think most people know. Yeah. Obviously JJ Koch is your uncle. So they've seen the pathway that, listen, this is where this career path can lead to. So do you think that had an influence or were they just always like that? Of course, of course it had an influence. Especially, I know my uncle is wanted me to follow the football path as well. My dad wanted to play football when he was younger, but of course in Nigeria it was, was difficult to progress as well as my uncle did, for example. But um, the opportunity was there and they saw how hungry I was to to be a footballer. So they always understood and always gave me that that motivation to try, try and work as hard as I can. So I'm forever grateful. So talk to us about the process of like getting that first pro contract at Arsenal. How how was it? How did it feel? Um, So I got my offer when I was 18. Some people get early, like, like I say, scholar and pro. Some people get 17. But I got 18 because Arsenal, I have to give I'm thankful for Arsenal, Arsenal Wenger, because um, they always give like the youngsters opportunities to train with the first team. Like whether it's international break, obviously there's always a lot of players going away. So the ones that don't go away will always be around to cater for the players that are not involved. So I always had the opportunity to go train and even like Vartel was even there at the time. So like they always oh, used to take care of us. And every time I trained, I feel like I did okay. And Wenger always chat to me and say, you're doing well, just be patient, your time will come. 
So yeah, from then, and then playing on the twenty ones, and doing well, and I played in numerous positions as well. So Arsene Wenger understood that I understand the game, and that I'm able to play in any position I'm asked and don't complain. So yeah, it was it was good. It was good from there that I got my opportunity to to kick on myself. So I'm grateful for that. Yeah. So like obviously you said that you know when you were in the under twenty ones, you were going to train with the senior team. And you said that you actually trained with Mikel Arteta. So, like, back then, did you see, like, leadership qualities in him? Um, yeah. When I first went up, he was a bit intimidating because, like, <laughs> I, was, I remember the one time I was training right back and I was I was doing okay, could have done better, but I've, I've never played right back before. And he always he just go on to me, he said, drop, get the ball, get the ball, play quicker, quicker. <laughs> and, like, it's like, rah, like, I'm not, I don't even like this position too tough. Yeah. But, um... Yeah, no, he's always had that like that vocal voice that he just want, he always wants to demand more from me, from anyone, no matter how old you are. So you can see he's even working t- to this day, like he's working for Arsenal. So he's always had that leadership quality in him. Yeah, talk to us a bit about Arsene Wenger because he's obviously a legend. He's retired for a few years. Like, what sort of influence did he have on you, bringing you into the first team? Um, to start with, he's not one that speaks a lot, but when he does. A lot of wisdom comes with it, but yeah, you can yeah. tell that's the, someone that's experienced with the game. But um, yeah, like every time I come up, he would always say to me like, "Relax, um, take your time, that your chance will come," sort of thing. And like, he always tell me, oh, "I'm gonna try play you centre mid. I'm gonna try to uh, play up front, and just like try learn the game a bit more before your chance comes." So when I go back to play twenty ones, I was playing up front. I was playing centre mid. I was playing on the left. Playing on the right. I was playing everywhere. So he always used to advise me on what to do to like improve my game. Yeah, so obviously moving on, you broke into the first team. Um, how was that feeling, like making the step up from being a youth player into that senior environment? Um, I can't exactly remember, but I, like for example, I remember like my first preseason tour going to Singapore. That was that was crazy. Like you, you feel like a first team player. Um, they're just travelling with them, doing things they do, and it's, you realise it's not much different to like the academy side. It's just that they're more mature and they carry themselves like grown men. <laughs> so, sort of thing. So when even like I, when I move into the change rooms and like it's like it was still the, they're still human sort of thing. Like you don't see them as like obviously people see them as idols and but you, you come to learn that they're just like you sort of thing. But um yeah, so the transition weren't hard, especially like. I had people like Chamberlain, Welbeck, yeah. Walcott, Kieran Gibbs. They were always talking to me to make sure like I ease him very well. Like Cochrane as well, always helping me. So like I don't feel out of place. I don't feel like just just be myself sort of thing. So that helped a lot. Yeah. So now you've arrived. You've gone to the preseason tour. You're making your debut. Like talk to us about what that felt like because that's everyone's dream as a kid. Let me be on match of the day, Super Sunday. Like that's you. You're living that life. So talk to us about that moment. Um, so my first actual debut, <laughs> some could say is one to forget, but we played in the <laughs> cup game against Sheffield Wednesday and we lost 3-0. However, like, I feel like I've done well, like, even though it wasn't the result we wanted and we, well, we lost to a team that's, I think, in the championship then. Like, I still went out of my head, held high sort of thing. And the, the players around me said, like, you, do, you did well despite the result, just keep on going. Then got my chance against Swansea, even though it was like three minutes. And then from then, like, I was able to play against, um, in, in the Champions League against Barcelona, 
and then played against Everton. So it was just all happening so fast. But like where you train with them and the quality of Arsenal is always, the standard's always high. You just prepare for like the Premier League or the Champions League. So like Arsenal's one of the best teams in the world, especially back then as well, that it's almost easy going into the games because you prepare for it like almost like every day at training. So it wasn't too difficult for me. It's actually mad because, correct me if I'm wrong, you actually played 100 Premier League games for Arsenal, correct? Yeah. And like, what made you come to the decision where you felt to progress my career, I may need to move on? Um, It wasn't an easy decision, but it was very, very quick. Happened like in a matter of like 30 minutes. So obviously I was overseas after AFCON thinking I'm still going to be an Arsenal player. Um, on holiday with my parents in Dubai then got a call from my agent saying oh, Everton are interested like what do you think then it just fell through like oh it's not going to happen not going to happen and literally the last couple hours of transfer deadline day like get a call again saying oh like Everton are really interested like they're trying to push this move and like I've never felt that someone that wants me that bad that like, to come even spoke to the manager at the time Marco Silva said that we have a uh, a position for you like you're going to play behind the striker like that. I know that's the position you want to play so <laughs> great like, sales so, pitch yeah, like, like if he was a salesman like he would do well still <laughs> like he sold me he sold me he said yeah if you come like just work hard and do yeah. what you do like you always create chances for, for Arsenal like just have to bring that to Everton and like I, I spoke to my dad and my dad wasn't too keen on it because he knows Arsenal's always been home however I wanted to have that my own legacy I don't want to be like that kid that's just the academy product I want to produce, like I want to come as like a grow up as a man as well, challenge myself sort of thing. So, so sorry, so is this like, was this a situation where this was like lingering in your head for, for a certain period of time? No, so, not even. So how long was the interest like from interest to you signing? Okay, three days. Okay, so was it one of those ones where Arsenal said, we've received, I don't know, 35 million pound bid, we think you should go, or we've received the 35 million pound bid it's up to you. Was it more of a nudge or the we've, decisions in your hands? We've received the bid. The first, the, within the first three days, the first day received the bid. It wasn't as it wasn't obviously what the bid was initially at the end, but they said no, nah, that we don't want you to go. Una Emery really likes your your sort of play. You were influential last season or the season before. You had your best uh, season according to stats and creating chances. So he doesn't want you to go. And it was literally the. My last game was Europa League final. Yeah, he scored. And I scored. Yeah, and he yeah, said to yeah. me, like, oh, like, it's a shame I didn't start you sort of thing. Yeah. Like, I want to hear next season. So then from the first day to the last day, obviously Everton pushed and pushed and pushed. And like Arsenal just signed a new winger. Pepe. Yeah. Yeah. And they they, they signed a new player. And there was a few players that were still there on on like they weren't they weren't ready to go sort of thing. I'm not gonna say names, but they weren't ready to go. So they said, "Oh, like this Thought is trying that. to rack his brain." <laughs> I know trying to rack his brain. <laughs> so I know, I know, I know, I'm, not, I'm not gonna say names, in it. Yeah, but like, so yeah. like they said, "Oh, like we've received a bid from you. It's a high bid. We're not gonna get this money from anywhere else." Sort of thing. Like, so it was a sort of nudge that it was nudge. Like, it's a winger as well. That's was probably gonna play in your position. Like, it's up to you, sort of thing. So I thought, okay, cool. They're giving me that, and Everton's a club that's also a very big club that wants me. I want a new challenge, so why not pursue it? So like, obviously like the dust is settled. That was like three and a bit years ago. What's your feelings towards that situation? Because 
from speaking to you like in these brief minutes, you're always someone that's had to prove yourself. There's setbacks, yeah, then you bounce back, setback, bounce back. So like now that the situation's not like raw and fresh, like looking at how do you feel in terms of how that situation was handled? Um, me, I'm so I'm the sort of guy that lives with no regrets. So like once this happened, this happened. I don't like to dwell on it. Um, what's even funny is that I was I didn't have a house or an apartment then, and I was staying in a hotel that teams always stay at before away games yeah. and Arsenal were staying in the same hotel like maybe three weeks after that transfer deadline day so I've seen the whole team I've yeah seen, I've seen the whole team and I've seen you know Emery and he spoke to me saying like it wasn't my decision sort of thing I still respect you as a man respect you as a player but I just want to wish you all the best sort of thing and like that that for me like it's it's like sat well with me and I thought oh, okay cool like I have that respect for the team sort of thing Cause I didn't even get to say goodbye. Once the deadline was done, I just had to dash up up to. Yeah. Uh, so how is that experience as well? Because we're fans, we sit down and watch transfer deadline day and say, "Oh, Everton launch bid for Alex Iwobi. The club are considering it. Player en route for medical. All yeah. that kind of stuff." So how is it being part of that? Bro, it was weird because I'm overseas. I'm on holiday. I'm literally <laughs> just baking off and then and even battling si- signal to answer phone calls. What that Lagos Express road? No, 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 this was Dubai. You know Dubai, is, you need that VPN for FaceTime and all that jazz. So like, yeah, no, to get phone calls and obviously data. I'm, I'm stingy in it. I'm proper Nigerian, stingy with data. So I'm counting the bills as well. But yeah, no, it's just crazy. So like, even my medical was done different because I was overseas. I didn't have enough time to do it. Um... And just getting off the boat because I was on a boat trying to just wow. chill. Yeah, I'm really dash off enjoying the boat, soft life, yeah. yeah. So, bro, for my family, bro. <laughs> so yeah, man, I had to sign things and yeah, it's a lot. So I didn't even have the chance to like come back to the training ground, say bye. I just had to get my like, things already getting sent to me and just had to move up to the to the hotel and move up to Everton. So, bro, like, but how does that make you feel? Because like we've seen players saying that you know what, I spent all my life at this club and I didn't really get a goodbye makes me feel a bit sad towards the club. So sitting back now, how do you feel towards the club in regards to your departure? Um, I have no bad blood. Me, I'm not one that holds grudges, holds anything against anyone. I'm, me, I just like to see the positive. Like, I have that perspective, like Arsenal made me. So like, I'll always be grateful. I always see it as home. As much as Everton's my home now, I always see Arsenal's home. So I don't hold anything bad against them. Mm, and you never even know what can happen in the future. You know, we've seen stories where you end up back at your your boyhood club. You understand? But anyway, let's move forward to the future. Everton, big money move. Obviously, people say 35 million, whatever it is. Day one, Marco Silva, Finch Farm training. Chat to us. Um, day one. Obviously, come back from AFCON late. So I'm one of the last players to arrive. Everyone's really fit. But my fitness was actually okay. And I don't think he expected that. So then come, I've trained, I've trained well, and I've trained, me, I'm a, I'm a very good training player. I, like, I don't know what it is, I'm a very, very good trainer. I, have to, I, I give that to myself, innit? I treat training as if it's like power league sort of thing. Yeah. So. We see you in those bay tees and you're ripping yeah. out, you see that? <laughs> so he's, he's seen that, he's seen that. And obviously in training, I was playing in midfield a lot. Like he, he promised me sort of thing. So like I was able to express myself and train really well. But at the time, it was difficult to play in that position because there was someone in that position that was doing well at the time. So who was that? Was that Gilfie Sigurdsson? Oh yeah, at yeah, the time, yeah. He was doing very well in that position. So I ended up playing on the left as an inverted winger sometimes, and yeah, it was, it was a slow start, but yeah, it's what it is. So do you see your favorite position as that centre midfield sort of player? 
Yeah. Okay. So is that like something that Everton almost like promised you on signing that you will be played in centre mid or was it one of those? Yeah. Ones? Yeah. Okay. Something I got, I got promised to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> I, got, I, got, I got promised still. Yeah. <laughs> but in terms of obviously Everton have moved on managers and yeah. a promise with one manager doesn't <laughs> follow yeah, through. Yeah, yeah, doesn't yeah. follow through. <laughs> even that same manager, like as much like Marco Silva, I really respect him because he tried to fit me into his plans. I didn't really play centre mid for him. I yeah. on the left. I think there was a the game against Aston Villa. I remember you were doing damage. Yeah. I remember there was yeah, a game. Yeah, that's, I think that was our debut for them. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I saw your number 10, yeah. Yeah, but um, yeah, so obviously there's different managers, different styles, different ways that he wants the team to go forward. So me, I've always been that guy, like I'll just adapt to play wherever. That's one thing that I'm grateful for Wenger. He's made me learn the game in different positions. So okay. Is that a positive and a negative? Because yeah. a manager can just say, like under Carlo, right wing back. Yeah. Left mid, six, eight, behind yeah, the ten. ten. So it's like, how do you kind of find the identity that, listen, I'm a number 10. I played 30 games there. These are my stats. Whereas yeah. if there's an injury, okay, Alex, you can fill in there. You can. That's it's something I've had to deal with all my life. So it don't really phase me anymore. Like, okay. Even now I'm playing right mid again. Yeah. Like, I'll be honest, uh, it is what it is, isn't it? But like something I've had to do with my whole life. I'm playing right mid for my national team, I'll probably play centre mid. Whereas even when like the previous manager, uh, Frank Lampard, I wouldn't know where I'm going to play before games. I could end up playing centre mid, right wing back. But like one thing about me, I'll just do what I'm told to do sort of thing. Talk to us about playing under Frank Lampard. How how was that? Um, was I, I, he, doesn't, he doesn't agree with it, but I feel like he revitalised and saved my career a bit because I was going through a tough time at Everton. I wasn't playing. When I'm playing, I'm not doing too well. Um, so, and even when he got appointed, I was in AFCON and that's when I got a red card and we went out. So I was just thinking, oh, oh yeah, God. we were stressed when Nigel's, what was that? Oh, don't even want to remember that game. Honestly, bro. Yeah. So, uh, what? Yeah, <laughs> that stress, game. The pain, what? Uh, I was off my phone. Obviously, because I was going through a tough time, AFCON, I'm going to have to come back to Evan. I'm just thinking, where do I, what am I going to do? Like, I'm not, I'm not going to, I might not even be playing sort of thing. <laughs> But I said no, nah, like was that like was that the game when they had like bare sick yeah COVID cases and then they had like yeah. a never and then <laughs> oh yeah uh, Tunisia had yeah. like this is that Hannibal guy had a red card and there's COVID yeah. there's, there's yeah. so many things going on anyway we'll get to Nigeria yeah, we'll, we'll get to Nigeria, Nigeria. We'll Nigeria. Nigeria. alright cool mm. so <laughs> I'll come back now and like I don't know what to expect but once again I'm a, I'm a very good training player and you've seen what I've been able to do in training so like the assistant. Um, coaches like for example I think was it Joe Joe was speaking to me saying oh like Joe Edwards for yeah, context yeah, yeah, yeah appreciate him so much as well saying oh like why don't you do this in matches sort of thing like I'm, I'm not understanding it like in training you're very good What? and I said like this has been the job I've been told to do like previously just give it to other players one or two touch so no nah, like be a man carry the game sort of thing so when they're seeing in training then they gave me the opportunity I think Brentford against Leeds I started against these and I did well. They said, oh, like, continue, continue. But then there was a lot of injuries in midfield. And um, he said, like, oh, like, Frank asked me, like, where do you prefer to play? And I've told him. And he said, okay, cool, we're going to give it a try. And, like, ever since you gave it a try, I think it was against, might have been Burnley or West Ham. And, like, I did very well and I progressed from there. So he's like, oh, like, just continue, continue. Ever since then, like, I just found a run of form and I'm comfortable playing in my preferred position. So like ever since then, it's just, I just kicked on. Yeah, that's interesting that you say that he kind of revitalised your career because um, Frank Lampard is a young manager and obviously in his Chelsea spell, people said that 
maybe a lack of communication with players led to his downfall. But how did you sort of find dealing with him as a man, like in terms of the information you're receiving? Because obviously we have to remember he was one of the best yeah, midfielders was, yeah. yeah, in this country. So like picking his brain, extracting that info, how was it? Yeah, like, <laughs> it's nice. And I remember was when he first got appointed and we were shooting, you know, like edge of the box shooting, people say, Frankie, that buzz. Everyone's <laughs> getting gassed off him. But um, yeah, like, him as a because you respect him so much as a player and as a man like when he's giving advice you proper listen so um, he spoke to me a lot because obviously I was playing midfield and he wants me to get the stats that or try and prove my stats the way he improved his so he, he did help me but it's not just him like Joe Edwards Ashley Cole Paul Clement so how is that dynamic because obviously we see Lampard heading the team obviously there's Ashley Cole Paul Clement, yeah. Joe Edwards. Uh, how did they work in unison? Was one of the other coaches the voice in the changing room or how did it work in that dynamic? No, like, see, this this is the thing about Frank Lampard. Like, as much as he's the manager, he likes to hear what not just his staff have to say, but the players. Like, he wants it to be like a big, like a team, like a family, like a bond. Like, that's what that's one thing that, like, everyone appreciated about him. So, like, it's not just him. He wanted everyone's opinion to try and make the team grow. So, like, he would say a few words. Seamus Coleman would say a few words. Then everyone everyone has a voice. That's what he gave. Like, he gave the platform for everyone to talk. So it was good. It's actually mad because, like, a lot of the criticism that was almost labelled at him was, like, he didn't get the fans. Like, how do you feel his relationship was with the Everton fans when he was in the managerial position? Um... I don't know. I don't know if I can agree with that. I don't know because pe- pe- I see it from a different point of view. So mm. I thought the fans appreciated him because he always worked hard, tried to engage with the fans as much as he, as he could. But us as players, we took it on ourselves that like, we're not doing enough for not just him, not just not just for the fans, but for ourselves. We're not putting on performance. We're not getting the results. So like, that's the one thing the fans only appreciate if you're doing well. And of course, it's a, as everyone says, the cliche, it's a result. It's the results. If you're not day. getting the results, no matter how your relationship, uh, exactly. the fans will be on to you. Of course. That's, so that's it. But it's not just, I think it's everywhere. Yeah. So yeah. that's one thing, like, if you're not getting results, unfortunately, the manager's the one that's going to hold the blame. Mm-hmm. But us players, we took the responsibility in saying that we didn't serve him well enough, but that's that's just football, unfortunately. Yeah, I thought, obviously, I was tracking Everton's results and, after the Brighton game at home, when I think it was at 4-0, I was yeah. like, listen, this is looking yeah. inevitable. Yeah. And uh, the position was becoming a bit um, untenable. But in terms of the last game against West Ham, when you played away and obviously you lost that game, then obviously Frank was dismissed. Did you feel that pressure going into that game that, listen, we're potentially fighting for our manager's job here? Um... I don't feel like we saw we saw it like that. We just saw it like we saw every game that like we need to get points no matter what. Away, obviously, our away records, our away records never been great. Yeah. So like we just see we need to get at least a point. West Ham they went they're in a similar position. Even the game before Southampton they were in a similar position, but they both beat us. And that's when after that game and then the managers gone for oh, now like we had a meeting with the with ourselves with the staff like. We need to buckle up. I need to improve, sacrifice whatever's going on outside of football, put everything into the club and just move on sort of thing and try and do your best and look at it. The, 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 what's the phrase? I think Seamus said, look at yourself in the mirror. Someone along those lines, look at yourself yeah. in the mirror, come <laughs> to Jane and give your all. Like he gave like a mad speech. Yeah, Not if it's sunk in, but like I took it. And ever, ever since then, like obviously new managers come, 
everyone's putting 100% in training, 110% in training. Mm, because when the manager was going to get sat, I remember after the game, obviously I watched Sky Sports, Farhad Mashiri was there. They asked him, oh, is that Frank done? And he's like, listen, I don't know. I don't make the decisions. But how did the players gather that the manager was, was sacked? Um, ooh, how was it done again? I think we found out before we even coming to training and we're going to training and obviously the technical directors come in and spoke to us and said like whoever we're playing like no matter what ideas they bring no matter what because we just heard it could be Bielsa could be Sean Dash like we didn't know who was going to come in like whoever comes in just buckle up buy into the ideas if you don't like the ideas you have to leave okay <laughs> like, was no, that there's no, no yeah. one's yeah you, there's, everyone has to be on board with whatever the manager has to say so yeah and everyone took that, buckled up and we're moving. What, so did Frank get any opportunity to say goodbye? Was there any sort of face to face? Nah, sadly, nah. He didn't, didn't get an opportunity, nah. Wow. Cut for uh, So during that period, like how, how difficult was it? Because I remember, I think I went on Sky during that time yeah. and I was like bigging you up saying, yeah. Alex. I think I saw that, you know. I think I'm not saying that. I'm guessing. I'm not saying that, bro. That was giving you the positive PR. The positive PR. That was the plan to get you on the team, but yeah. I'm dead. So, like, at the time, how was Goodison Park? Because, again, I said it on Sky. When you go Goodison Park, it's a tight pitch. Yeah. It's the crowd getting yeah. onto you. It's the pressure. Yeah. Everton players running through brick walls, which you do every week. How difficult was it to play at Goodison Park? Um, I don't know. I can only speak for myself. I I don't really hear the noise when I'm playing football. Mm. But like one thing that's stored in my mind before going into games and I had to learn that is that Evertonians, they just love like, it don't even matter. Obviously it does matter. You have to have the ability, but they just care about oh. heart, <laughs> heart and hard work. That's, and the, that's the Scouse culture though, isn't yeah, it? Like, honest living, yeah, like work hard. Yeah, work hard then even if you lose, you've worked literally, hard. Literally, so I had to learn that. I learned to probably say the hard way. It took me a couple of years to learn that and adapt okay. to my game. Because I've, I've come from a club that's used to having the ball, like let the ball do the running. So now I'm a lot of running without the ball that I had to adapt to my game. So yeah, I've added that to my game held a few positive comments from it. <laughs> yeah, so again, obviously we want to talk about you, but I think Everton fans will want us to talk about the ownership situation. Farhad Mishiri, there's been some toxicity from the fans towards the board and that spilled onto the pitch. Like we saw on Twitter, I think it was Anthony Gordon getting ducked down oh, in his yeah. calm. Oh, I remember that Yeah, Yerimina yeah. getting stopped and like fans were like, oh, mm. he's got kids in the car, stop, stop, yeah, stop. Yeah. Like for you, when you're seeing all of that, madness like what are you thinking and also did you experience any sort of personal incidents for example the Yerimina thing like you have to be mindful like you, you can't just go and abuse of someone's car there's a ute in the car like but like fans they, they sometimes don't see it and obviously the Anthony Gordon thing he was by himself and he's not giving no or no attention like I don't know what you expect us to do like come and fight back come and say like obviously everyone including Anthony Gordon works hard for the team they might not see it but us players appreciate what he does for the team. But that's the thing about fans, they need to understand that it's not just them going through it. We're all going through it as a club, like we're all going through that same pain. So me personally, no, I ain't had like nothing crazy. My friends ain't had nothing crazy. Even my mum and dad, they like, they tried to avoid going to the games just in case, because mm. they never know what's going to happen. But no, nothing too crazy has happened. No, thank God, man. So obviously the new manager comes in, Sean Dyche, what's changed? 
Because um, for me, from the outside looking in, is come into the dressing room and you run through brick, brick walls. Yeah. It's just the same point. What's the saying? Minimum requirement. Yeah, maximum, maximum effort. effort. Oh, you yeah. might know about that. Yeah, yeah bro. Yeah. Dad. Yeah. 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 Before every game. Sometimes even before training. Before every game on a PowerPoint slide, that would get slapped in. Okay. In bold. Serious. Yeah. Yeah. He says what, it, under it, the new regime under Sean Dash. Yeah, Sean Dash. Yeah, ever oh, since he's that's he's saying that's his motto. Yeah, that's what he that's his guiding yeah, principle. Maximum effort that gets slapped in bold, but um, it'd be easier to say what stayed the same. The food. That's <laughs> probably the food because we have to train with shin pads now. Train with high socks, <laughs> no hats, no snoods. Serious. Yeah. yeah. Um. The fine system is different. Um, even like build up before games, like normally, st- like normally you stay in a hotel before a game, especially home games. Don't do that no more. What home to the stadium, basically? Yeah, yeah. So that's like, like a throwback, though. That's like back yeah, in the day. Back in the day. Yeah. Like, he's he's. I think his way of football, like he just wants to strip down everything, go back to basics, <laughs> yeah. which I understand. Yeah, I understand. Like even if if he's probably watching this, he'd be like, "Why am I wearing a hat indoors? You're not allowed to wear hats indoors." <laughs> so like, yeah, like, um, yeah, he just stripped it down, just back to basics. Football, football, hard work, literally. Yeah, and we've seen the results. Like obviously, his first game was against people are making the favourites of yeah, the Premier League. Premier Arsenal, Arsenal, you got that 1-0 win and people from the outside will be like, typical Deitch win. 1-0, yeah, yeah, yeah. header, yeah, set yeah, piece yeah, goal, yeah, yeah. keep a clean sheet. Yeah. So what's been he's like, because there's this whole thing with Mikel Arteta about non-negotiables. For Sean Deitch, what's his non-negotiables, would you say? Oh, he had it on the slide as well. <laughs> it's like you've been going to uni with no, him, innit? Oh, it's, it's almost like college. <laughs> but um, he just wants us to work, like, yes, work hard, have the right equipment for getting, like, however you approach a game, you have to approach it in training sort of thing. Just have to run, you have to treat every day, like, it's your last sort of thing. So, like, yeah, it is good. It is good. Like, we had to slowly buy into it. But, like, you, yeah, you don't take no prisoners. So even if you're not playing, even if you're not playing and you're a sub, and you're, even if you're not in the squad, he's making sure everyone's on point. So in terms of like approach from Lampard and Sean Dyche, how would you sort of say they differ as men? Um, obviously, Frank Lampard was way more relaxed, I could say that. Um, he was way more lenient in the sense that we can like, um, in terms of like you can come to train like I come to train like this I can't come to train like this um, um, obviously they've got two different stuff what, what does that mean like does it mean anything like in terms of oh, you can dress like this? like does it make any difference like, no it's just his way in it Some, yeah yeah for example like he said it the first the first day you go point because you, you know we have people like Tom Davis that like yeah, expressive way DCL as well yeah pointed those two out said I'm sorry if this is going to offend you guys but like oh. I want you guys to get me <laughs> so like yeah like that's how he is like he's straight to the book in it yeah. whereas Frank Lampard like he didn't mind how Delhi used to dress for example. yeah yeah as so long as Glenn Hodge will say something about like Delhi yeah. being pulled from yeah, the slums yeah. or something yeah, yeah. yeah he doesn't like he doesn't care as long as you're doing on the pitch okay whereas like Sean Dash will probably want us to represent at all times sort of thing. Mm. Where when you're out, he said, when you're outside the training ground, you don't care. But once you come into the training ground, strip all that, you're a football player, like you're one of everyone sort of thing. 
Yeah, I think obviously that's probably by the results we can say it's working because you guys are performing weekend. You just beat Brentford, you beat Arsenal. You've been getting some decent results. So like in terms of going forward, Everton obviously it's a relegation battle. We have to be honest, like at the bottom, from 12th to the bottom, mm-hmm. it's nip and tuck, it's tight. Very tight. You understand? So like, how has that mindset shift been for you? Because you've been at Arsenal, like, listen, if you don't win, it's a crisis. Whereas yeah. Everton, it's like, you might win here. You might draw once, lose. It's that, how, how has that been? Um, it's been an emotional roller coaster. I can say that. Especially last season, boy, that was, that was a lot of stress. Um, but this season, like, what what we find annoying is because we know we have the, the ability That's to beat teams, and we see it every day in training. Like the quality in the teams, like it's crazy. We've got so many international players as well, like players that played and won different cups, different divisions. So like, the quality and the standards is always high. It's just bringing it out on a consistent basis. That's what we need to do. Dem- what what we're demanding more. What's he's demanding more, and with Sean Dash. He knows the ability is there. He just first of all said we need to like obviously our running stats have improved a lot. As long as we're able to do that, you're one I, of the top ones. I yeah, well, yeah, you're, now. you're one of them yeah. personally. You're yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's a, one of my hidden talents that can run. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, no. And obviously on day one he realized that they want to train and he done yo-yo test. Everyone's faces. <laughs> what? Even me, I was shocked because I just it was a long weekend off and he got appointed. <laughs> thinking yeah I'm not ready for this <laughs> but yeah nah, he just appreciates people that work hard and he knows we have the ability so he said the ability will come through yeah so speak to us about one of your um, teammates Amadou Anana because when I watch him I tell Dej can be anything in the mm, world baller baller yeah. have he caught your eye yeah of course like from day he's a big character <laughs> you'd forget he's only like 21 or 22 mm. you'd actually forget that well, he carries himself like a grown man. Like he's very influential on the side. Like he's a, he has a big voice. Was, he's one that he, he tries to say he don't, but he plays for the fans. Like he make a tackle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, lapping it up yeah, yeah. all the time. So like, yeah, he's a big character in the changing room. And like, we know the ability he has. Like, we we want him to do well. We want him to work hard every day. And even the managers. Sometimes it comes across like the manager's always picking on him, but the manager said to him like he has his best interest, like he wants him to improve as much as we all want him to improve. We all want to improve as a team. So like, yeah, quality player, very, very, very good. And there's a lot more to come. That's the scary thing. Mm, so what about DCL? Because like a lot of Everton fans, they kind of pin their hopes on him. It's like, obviously you've got Neil Morpay, but I think DCL sort of seen as that figurehead. Like if we can keep him fit for like 10 to 15 games, and especially the way um, Sean Dyche wants to play with Dwight McNeil whipping them in, new servicing balls. You've got a chance of staying up. So how pivotal is DCL? Um, unfortunately, yeah, we had to play without him. Now, everyone sees his, like, his abilities. That's why he was getting into the England side. He had that great season where he scored a lot of goals for Everton. But the only problem with him is maintaining fitness. And it's so sad. Like We know how hard he's working to try and come back. There's always a setback. That's always in his way which we, we all know it's not easy mentally and for him it must be very mentally challenging so like we all know what he brings to the team I know Sean Dash knows what he brings to the team we just want him to get back but we're not I don't feel like they're rushing his like his recovery that quick because they want him to be 100% fit so like yeah nah but the only thing is I feel sorry for him because he's always picking up niggles, niggles when he's feeling good yeah, yeah. so yeah nah I just hope he's back soon man but regardless that like, we've been doing we've been able to get results without him like we've had Neil Mopay that's been working yeah. hard even though he ain't been getting the goals that he wants to even Sims as well against yeah, Liverpool he's trying his hardest he's trying his hardest and then yeah. like even that now we've got uh, Dimi up front 
Demar Gray yeah, up front yeah, for yeah. that player. Yeah. yeah, like we know the abilities that like, he has as well going forward. Like so, as much as that like, we do miss them, we still have ability in other players up front. So talk to us about your personal season because I speak to Everton fans. They're DMing me. They're <laughs> like, oh, you don't need to get Alex Awobi on. He's our player of the season kind of thing. Like he's been the only player that's performed to a standard of befitting of Everton shirt. Those are some of the comments that I've received. So in regards to yourself, where do you see yourself in terms of your season so far? Um, me, I've always been a player that's been able to create chances for the team. So like, as long as I'm creating chances and trying to help my team win, like that's why, it like I got signed to Everton at start. You know what's mad? It's like when you're playing against Liverpool, I'm just like, why is Alex trying so hard? Because <laughs> I'm a Liverpool supporter. Yeah, well, yeah, 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 I started off the season playing in midfield, very comfortable. So I was creating chances, managed to rack up seven assists overall before Sean Dash came. So like, I feel like I was having a great season. Of course, I've been moved out right out, out wide on the right to do a job for the team, try and create, but I just find it easier creating. And you know, when you're in midfield, you get the ball a lot more, mm. you get the opportunity to do a lot more, but it's something you have to do for the job, uh, do a job for the team. So I do understand, but like, yeah, I feel like Evertonians, they just appreciate hard work and where I've been able to add a few assists to the team. They're, they're grateful and appreciate it. Because mm, it's mad. I remember like there was a part during the season where I was looking on Sky, top of the assists, Kevin De Bruyne, Alex. <laughs> I, was there. I was like, raw, Alex is doing his thing. Like, So how does that feel to like be in and amongst that, that company? Because De Bruyne, he's like, yeah, he's yeah. one of the top, yeah. you know, he's going to go down in the Premier League Hall of Fame. A hundred percent. So to even be up there, now, I like to challenge myself. I don't like to just sit on where I am. I'm trying to even improve and get more. As much as it is, I find it a bit more difficult at wide. I still try and get my numbers. It doesn't matter what position. I still try to get my numbers. But I feel like I'm joint fifth now or something. Yeah, sixth, sixth, isn't it? Sixth I checked. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. got the same as Odegaard, I saw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same yeah. as Odegaard. So, well, what, you're checking the stats? Well. <laughs> oh, I'm Be checking, bro, I'm checking. I'm trying to get up there, bro. <laughs> so, is, it that, is, that, is that a goal at the start of the season? I need X amount of assists. I wouldn't say... I wouldn't give myself a target to reach. I just oh, go into a game perfect. thinking, try and create a chance or a few chances for my teammates and even try and get a goal myself sort of thing mm-hmm. and even for the team. So, but yeah, like it's always a bonus when you get an assist. But yeah, no, I do check still. <laughs> uh, I, I do check. Yeah, because like up until this point or in recent times, you've been seen as that connector, the guy that, Gives the ball to the person. If there was a such thing as a pre-assist, I'll yeah, be Yeah, you'll there. be the king. I'll you'll be, be the god. <laughs> I, 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 I hope people are watching. That's not coming. It's coming. No, nah, I don't come. know. It will come too late. It will come too late. Don't get appreciated. <laughs> but yeah, no, nah, that's why I, that's vital to get the assist. That gets recognised more. Yeah, I wanted to talk to you about in terms of Everton as an infrastructure. I know Jamie Carragher sort of said that it's the worst run club in the Premier League that it's almost like a cemetery for players. Like I know players that have gone there for big money and it's possibly, it's not worked out. In terms of you, you've got the eye in terms of looking at Arsenal holistically, how it's run. That was probably known as the best well-run club in England. And obviously Everton are sort of being compared to the worst. Where do you think Everton can learn from Arsenal in terms of how to run the club? Because as you said, when you look at your squad, that's not a relegation team, bro. Uh, That's top 10, in my opinion, comfortably so something's gone wrong. To pinpoint what's gone wrong is very difficult. Um, 
I think it's just a mental thing, me personally. I think it's just a mental thing. Like, now, which is what we added to the game, the extra yards of, like, defending for the team, trying to score for the team. Like, maybe before that was probably lacking that, that desire and passion. But... Yeah, because your team, like, it doesn't, it's like, when you weigh up the science, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. It's like, you're watching, it's like, you're looking at the team, bro, Anana, Gay, the core, that midfield, that's like, got everything, quality, yeah. thou shall not pass, you can't break through <laughs> that. Thou shall not pass. That midfield, you've got yourself, Damari Gray, Seamus Coleman, mm. Connor Cody, Tarkovsky. Yeah. Bro, it's a team. Yeah. Pickford, like, it doesn't, something. That's why I feel like now, we, we do believe in ourselves, that's why the results are coming, and as well as that, the hard work is now getting added. Mm. So I think that's the only thing that was missing, because realistically, like you said, we were able to beat Arsenal top of the league we can compete against any team against Man City we got a draw 1-1 at the Etihad mm. if we're able to do that then any team like we, sh we should be able to compete and get a result so it's just that mindset of like because I don't know what it is but if we have that mindset like we did against Arsenal at home then we could do well this season or end the season strong what does what does pressure do like maybe when you look at teams down there in the bottom and you ain't got confidence and you're playing with pressure and you just feel like everything just feels a bit heavy, is that maybe a factor that's probably you've experienced this season as a team? Um, yeah, because you're just like, especially when we lost to like Southampton and West Ham before Frank left, just thinking where the point's going to come from. Yeah. Sort of thing. <laughs> like, I remember everyone, the training, that whole week when he got uh, dismissed, that week, everyone was just deflated thinking, what's going to happen? Like, so how nice. are we going to come out of this? But then, yeah, like, after the technical directors gave us that chat, we just had to switch on and when Seamus gave that speech, we have to switch on and sacrifice everything for the club. And ever since then, I, could, I can't tell you what it is. I think it's just, that's why it's just a mental thing, me personally. Whereas like everyone's tuned in and bought into the ideas of that we need to work hard for the club, run, tackle, sacrifice, everything. <laughs> and yeah, it's been working. So in terms of from the leadership, as I mentioned, Bill Kemright, Farhad Mashiri, did they have sort of direct lines of communication to the change of room? Because I think when people, all these experts sort of look at Evan, they are oh, ownership, it's not in sync. So as players, do you feel, I don't know, adequately supported by the board? Um, Mashiri's come in once since I've been at Everton. Um, he just gave a small speech and left. Bill Kemwright gave an emotional speech when Frank Lampard was appointed or was, was around. And uh, obviously, I don't know about Mashiri, but I know Bill Kemwright. Like, even I think he's he's messaged me a couple of times as well. Oh, messaging you? Uh, what, what's happened like that? Uh, no, I messaged. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's not on WhatsApp. Yeah, Bill's not on that age. Yeah, like, 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 I don't know if it's just been a message. Yeah, it's a greeting. <laughs> but like, yeah, no, he messaged like saying he appreciates the work. So like, I know he he even explained his story like he supported Everton from from a kid like he just wants Everton to do well mm -hmm. and even when he gave the speech it was almost like in tears sort of thing because like he wants the best for the club so like he's definitely someone that loves the club and I remember leaving that that speech that he gave and not just me but all the players thinking like if the owner loves the club and he puts his all into the club and he even he began abuse as well like like we have to at least give a hundred percent the same way he does for the club so. Yeah, no, they they do come, they do get in touch. Well, I don't know about now, but he was in touch with the players, a couple of players, and and definitely Frank Lampard as well. And in terms of like, if you had to give like a message to the Everton fans for their support this season, what would you say? Um, I know, like I say, I know it's difficult because obviously we know like we we can do better. They know we can do better. 
but just continue sticking by us, especially like the support we got last season when they were coming to our training ground. Yeah. It was like, I've yeah. never seen anything yeah. like that. How did that make you feel? Like, we what, to- what going into the games, gassed. <laughs> what going into the games, gassed. Obviously, it's illegal to bring them flares. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. But yeah. we'll be like, yeah, bring them, man. Bring them. <laughs> this is, anyways, this is going to get aired. People, a lot of people don't shoot me for this, but like, we used to get gassed. They're bringing flares. Everything, they're banging the butts. Obviously, in fact, not... I want to say they're vandalizing, but they're banging the bus <laughs> in. Uh, so, so we used to get gassed. Okay. So if they're able to match that energy they brought last season towards the end and bring it going forward, like Everton, it, it helped us a lot. We almost felt like it was 12 people on the pitch. So, yeah. Yeah, last one on Everton from me is <clears throat> your contract ends 2024. You know, there's a lot of talk about maybe Everton trying to initiate contract talks in terms of extending it because obviously they're impressed with the service that you've given to the club. Is that something you're thinking about or do you want to sort of wait and see how the season plays out? Because as I said, Everton are embroiled in like a relegation battle yeah. before you make your mind up. So what's the latest on that for Everton fans that'll be tuning in? Um, the same thing I've been told. Um, my agent and my dad said, focus on football. It's always, always what I get told, focus on football. Let them handle behind the scenes business. As long as you're doing your your thing football wise, then the contracts or the the teams, whatever you want, whatever you want to do, it'll make it easier. Your decision will be easier. So yeah, I, my dad he ain't really said much. My agent said much, and I prefer it like that because I don't want to be hearing, oh, yeah. they want you for I don't know fifty million a week or something. Like, I just rather focus on football. So in terms of even I saw recently that there was interest from Turkey, maybe Fenerbahce. <laughs> was that something that came came to you? No, I just see it like. First of all, I think I posted on Instagram, I'm just seeing bare comments. I'm thinking, what? <laughs> like, I didn't even know anything about it. Then I'm just getting added on Twitter. Some of my boys are like, right, let's go to Turkey. <laughs> thinking, nah, bro, they're using money to go to Turkey for teeth or hairline or something. <laughs> 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 but nah, so that's all that I was a bit rattled. But obviously it's always nice when you're getting interest from another team. But nah, like, it's just continued with football. I didn't know anything about it. Mm, so like, how do you sort of, again, look at your career because you're performing in like a struggling team. And again, I'm not saying you want to leave Everton or stuff like that, but every footballer wants to play at the highest level possible. Like you're posting up dope stats for a struggling team. So like for you is the ambition, again, you've played in Europe, you've scored in Europa League finals, played in the Champions League. Is that something that's going to be factored into your decision when you're offered something or if you're not offered something? Yeah, of course. I mean, like I said with Anthony Gordon, you want to, his foot was a short career, you want to play in the highest, highest leagues, highest, you want to be the best you can be sort of thing. So, it will play a part because I want to, like I've played, especially if I've had the chance to play in Champions League, if I had the chance to play in Europa League, I want to get that feeling again. I wanted to do it with Everton. I want to do it with Everton because we do have the players that should be challenging for that. And when I was signing, like that was what the ambition was. So yeah, I, it will play a part, but I, I don't know. It's early there, I don't know. Mm, so in terms of, Again, what you were sold in terms of the vision from Everton and how it sort of transpired. If you were to give it a marker out of 10 in terms of what you've experienced, what, what would you give? <laughs> um, it took me three years to play the position I wanted to play. <laughs> um, and unfortunately, you were not challenging for Europe. So um, from what I've been told to where we are, of course, it's not not where I thought I'd be but um, it is it's like I have no regrets it is what it is mm-hmm. like you have to I do enjoy the challenge going into games like 
to prove a point that we should be winning. I want to win games because that feeling of winning a game is un, like, undefeatable. So I don't mind. I don't mind this challenge. And that's why we love sport because you can't predict it. You can't predict yeah. it. You can say whatever you want to say, but you can't predict it. So obviously you want to move on to your international career. Talk to us about representing Nigeria, bro. Um, Crazy. Crazy. I mean, we're going there soon. Playing in Guinea-Bissau. Can't wait because it's been a minute. Um, Yeah, playing for Nige, like, it's almost like playing in a carnival, like in a festival, like, <laughs> bare trumpets, bare fans just singing. It's almost like there's three choirs that was always battling each other, singing different songs. And then, yeah, man, I, I enjoy playing for Nigeria. I really do. Yeah, because I would say you kind of set a trend out of the boys from the diaspora. You know, like, repping Nige, obviously, after you, there's Ola. There's Joe Rebo, Adam Ola Lookman, all these men are from like ends. So what made you kind of make that decision to like play for Nige? So um, I played for England 16, 17, 18, 19. Then I stopped getting called up. And then Nigeria approached me for to come on trial for the Olympics. And I said, yeah, why not? Like, let me see what it's like. And I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. But just to get... I think I don't know if the permit or something that cleared by FIFA to play took a long time and then I got called to go to the Olympics but Arsene Wenger said no like I really have you in my plans and Olympics goes into the start of the season so when I saw that and I thought I'm going to really miss a chance to play but Arsene Wenger said like I need you so it's a big statement saying Arsene Wenger saying he's going to need you for Arsenal mm-hmm. so I did understand it but um, yeah then ever since then I got called for the first team for Nigel and I just thought whoa like We've got again one of the best strikers in the world right now, yeah, Victor Osimhen. Bro, he's doing his thing at Napoli. You understand what I'm saying? Like he's being linked to what Man United, Chelsea. Like even talking about him, what's your take on him? I he's someone I really respect, by the way, because like when when I when he first got called out to Nigerian national team, like no one really took him in. Like he he always see how he works hard. Like yeah, he ducks down every ball, <laughs> even if it's going off the pitch, he'll chase that ball, and like. Even two Afcons ago, like he got injured, but and there's people like, get up, get up, Victor, you're always on the floor. Well, <laughs> like he will still work hard, he won't complain, just work mm. hard. So, like, for him to get to where he's now, Napoli's main man, like, everyone just has their eyes on him. Like, we've seen it from time, like, we've seen him. Of course, there was that element where maybe people say he's a bit rash in front of him, he needs to compose himself. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, he's always getting there and he won't stop, he won't stop. So that's why he's someone I respect. And the thing is, like I said, Vanana, there's so much more to come from him. He's still young. So what do you think he's going to be in the Prem in the summer? Like, cause they're I, don't, talking I about, don't know. Mm. I actually don't know. It would be nice. Has he, has he text you? Say, oh, what's the Premier League like, uh, Alex? He has asked. All of them ask. All of them yeah. ask. All of them overseas, like they're playing different leagues, ask. Like they always want to know what it's like to play. Because obviously Premier League is the most like- Yeah, in, uh, in Nigeria, yeah, Nigeria is like, yeah. that's the promised land. Yeah. Ah, I want to make it to <laughs> yeah, Premier League. So, like, <laughs> so like, I'm sure he probably has the ambition and dream to play in the Prem. So this next trip, he probably asked me, but- He's doing well, man. Yeah, man, because each well. time he scores, he's added an extra million. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Huh? That Napoli I, owner's probably thinking, ah, somebody's sweet Honestly. No, but all jokes aside, like, on the real, what, what needs to change in terms of... No, no, on the real, because... Yeah, yeah, because like, it's, it's not even funny. Because yeah, yeah, we're, yeah, like, no, we're, we're, we're just we're AFCON, like, not playing in the World Cup. Yeah. Like, pissed us off, you understand? We're seeing Qatar, you know the drip, you know the Niger boys. We missed out the Niger kid, didn't even sell out. 
out this year because we weren't out the world. Why would it? Why would it? We're not there. Bro. Why would that? <laughs> no, that one pained me, you know, because I couldn't even go to play against Ghana because I had that red card in AFCON. Oh. So I was few months watching with my, with my boys at home thinking, yeah, like, I'm even going to leak something. We were watching, like, trying to create a documentary, innit? Okay. Because we we're thinking, yes, this is an opportunity. We're going to get there. We're going to get there. Then we didn't even lose. We drew 1 1. And like, yeah, man, Thomas Party done like, that goal. So like, I remember everyone in my room, in my house was just like this. <laughs> yeah, stressed, stressed. But yeah, no, like that one, I don't know, I don't know for that one because like it was a one-one draw, <laughs> so like, we didn't lose. But like, I swear they just recently changed the rules as well. Before that, yeah, 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 yeah. Even like Leon Belonga. <laughs> 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 Uh, no comment on that one, bro. Let's <laughs> 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 trouble for that one. <laughs> nah, but on the real, like, as we say, you're like one of the stars of our generation. You're one of the faces of Nigeria. You understand? When people talk about the Nigerian national team, it's Iwobi, he's the playmaker, he makes things happen. Like, so you're an authority. So like, for us fans, us, you know, Nigeria fans, what can you say today like, to make us feel confident about the future? Because we're watching these tournaments thinking we've got a Nige kit out. We're going to yeah. win this. We should be in the final. We should be dominating. You understand? We've got the talent. We've yeah, got, we got yourself. We've got, we got, we got Ola. We've got Joe Aribo, Atelbo. Our team, our team is still, still young. Ademola Lukman, Chukweze. Keep, keep, keep naming them. Keep naming them. Everyone. You we're understand? still young. So like, we still like, all the team, for example, Senegal, like, they're all like, yeah, they mine is at fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, yeah. we still have a lot to learn. Like even as a team, learn about ourselves. The team's still young. That's what one thing I can promise Nigerian fans that as much as the talent is still there, we're still young, we're still learning the game. So that only Lord knows where we could be in a couple of years time. So just be patient because we are trying. Be patient. Mm. So, okay, you're trying. But in terms of, do you think you need that assistance from above in terms of, okay, infrastructure? Because that's what obviously Leon was talking about. And we speak a lot about the development of Nigerian football because we want to see it grow. Yeah. You understand? So do you need that sort of synergy to, to match the ability? You need that governance. I'm not going to say something that gets me in trouble. <laughs> but like, yeah, for, for example, like our pitch, we don't know if we're going to have a nice pitch when we play. Like, obviously we've got a new coach now and we played, we played Sierra Leone, but we just about beat them 2-1, difficult game. Then we played Sao Tome and beat them 10-0, but we played on a great pitch. A lot of us play in Europe now, so like we're playing on great pitches where it's easy to just manipulate the ball, let the ball do the work, play freely. If we had that in Nigeria, I feel like it would be difficult to beat us. I don't think, I'm confident enough to say that not many teams can beat us. So like, to start with, just for example, like having a good pitch, if you have that, I feel like we'll be unstoppable. So when you say that, do you mean like as in as in a home stadium or like a central? I don't even. Yeah, just just a pitch of grass. Oh. <laughs> so you're not even like for much. Yeah, just a, bench. Just a <laughs> pitch of grass, level grass, no crops. Like get me, just grass in it. Oh, okay, because when Leon came, when he was saying that we need like something like a St George's Park where there's like a yeah, complex. at least we could. But that's the thing about Nigeria. Like I don't know what goes on behind, but we could end up playing in Asaba. We could play in in Lagos you can play in Abuja you can play anywhere we don't know but like at the same time I do get where they come from they want everyone wants to watch Nigeria and Nigeria is quite big, a big nation so we, but at the same time it would be nice to have a one base where we know this is going to be where we're playing we know how it's going to be patterned we know how it's going to be organised know the hotel we're staying at know the food we're getting we know the service so everything's easy but we just are going to I don't know where I'm going to play sort of thing 
Yeah, any more questions on Nige? Yeah, so in terms of Nige, obviously I know you're not a politician. Like there's been obviously the whole election stuff and there's talk about rigging and stuff like that. And as I said, you're an authority for Nigeria. Do you have any sort of views on the election back home or do you sort of... I keep myself No comment, no, yeah, comment no comment, no comment. I'm, I'm, I'm a footballer and that's what I'm focused on. <laughs> no, no, I had to ask because obviously Nige people will ask. But yeah, I wanted to sort of move on to Arsenal now. Obviously you're an ex-Arsenal player. We're seeing them doing madness in the league. Like obviously missing out on top four last season. This season, they're just blitzing through teams, yeah, man. Honestly. Like oh, Odegaard, Saka, bro, Eddie. They, bro, they're they, just they, badding it up. They done us recently as well. Yeah, bro. that, that, that one pain me. <laughs> as much as like, I like Arsenal, that one pain me. So like, in terms of the atmosphere and the air, like, did you feel, oh, this Arsenal's different? Because it's when you ve- left, there was this whole Emery stuff. Fans uh, were, it's very, you know, disenfranchised. Very, very, very different. Even when they come to us, and they lost the fans like it's just so they're so positive mm. like obviously when I was there we about to leave like it was just a bit toxic like fans mm. like animosity, yeah, animosity. Yeah. But, like, they the used fans- to call it I think the toilet or something the Emirates because <laughs> or the library or the library library yeah, library. Library. Yeah. Yeah, that one got, yeah that one got used a lot but like now like even when we're playing there it took them a while to break us down but then before that there was just constant cheering like mm. and Arsenal was a team that has the ball so they'd be doing hey even if it's 0-0 zero, zero, <laughs> So yeah, no, the, the atmosphere has definitely changed. But like, I feel like that's results again. Like they've played so well all season, they're getting results. Of course, they're going to be on board. So do you follow them like in terms of their results? Obviously you're ex-player. Like, so are you sort of thinking, oh yeah, another win. I want them to win the league. Like, are you, or you're just more focused on, I'm an Everton player. I'm I focus, yeah, I focus on myself first, of course. Like, but like at the same time, like, because I do follow them on social, I do see what they're on. Like, I want them to do well. But my main focus, like, it's gonna sound mental. Like, all us fans might hate me, but I wanted to beat them. Yeah, oh, of course, normal. that's <laughs> natural. Normal. I wanted to beat them. You're you're a you I'm happy that we lost. We got smacked up four 0 <laughs> <laughs> But now nah, I want them to do well, though. And talk to us about Saka because me mm. watch this guy. It's another one. I'm gonna yeah. repeat the gist. He can be whatever he wants to be. Like for me, probably the play of the season with with Odegaard and Erling Haaland, yeah. in my opinion. When you watch him play like, and he sees development, how how proud are you, bro? Happy for him, man. Really, really happy. Because not only like he's a great player, but off the pitch, the most humble. respectful, humble guy. Like, most so humble so guy. what is it about him? Because you hear this all the time. You hear him, oh, such a lovely kid. Around, oh, such a nice boy. What is it? like When you break it down to the granular detail, what is it about Bakayo? Like when you come, when you first come up to train first, you never complained. <laughs> All the all the players like gave him that respect, like and because he was doing his thing in training, like you just know, like I know some players will get a bit offended because like it's a young man dribbling. What was he ripping up? What? What? Do you remember? But the, but the thing is that there's a lot of Arsenal youngsters. There's all Arsenal youngsters that are cold, and he was yeah. raw then. So that left foot just jinky me, jinky go past a few man. Like so, like now he's doing it on a consistent basis. Like we've seen it. I've seen it anyway, and like because as well as like. Not only, like I say, he's a great player, he's humble. Like, he was eager to learn. He listens, doesn't argue back. Like, he treats, like, for example, we treat the dinner ladies the same way you treat us, man. Like, um, no, I'm happy for him, man. Deserves it and does, deserves more. And even, look, his family, like, his family and my family used to speak on a regular basis. Nigerian. Yeah. Like, bro, I'm Bond happy over for him. that jello fries. What, They're bonded. What? I'm happy for him, man. I'm happy for that guy. 
<laughs> yeah, so what about Eddie? Because obviously you're all sort of stable mates at the same agency. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, watching him rise. Yeah. Again, Eddie. obviously people sort of say we we helped him on the platform when he came on. And after that, uh, is it? he done yeah, his yeah, thing. Yeah, 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 I'll wait for mine then. So no, but I give Eddie the credit. You know, that's why I tell him, like, listen, you got a part of the work. He spoke, he's taught, he delivered. You understand? No, so. Eddie is someone who believes in himself from young. Eddie gets goals, guaranteed. Always gets goals. So, yeah, it's, it's always going to be hard to be the main striker for Arsenal. They've got mm. Gabriel Jesus. He's like talented though. Before they had Lacazette, like, Aubameyang. So, like, he's, he's been someone that's been patient. He had to go on loan. He, was, he still gets goals. And, like, he won't stop working. That's something that I'm sure Arteta appreciates with him. Like, even if he's not playing, he'll run, he'll run in training. He'll, go, he'll make sure he's getting goals, goals. He'll make sure he's knocking on doors. So you, even though he's not playing, you will know he's there. So yeah, that's one thing about Eddie, man. Hungry. Gonna very, very hungry. Are Arsenal going to win the league? Yeah. yeah I believe I so. I, I want them to, to be fair. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know what? The last player I wanted to ask you on was Reese Nelson because he's t- took like a different path where... He had mad promise, but he hasn't really had up or the biggest opportunity at Arsenal where he's had a consistent run of games. And obviously you see him get that last minute winner against Bournemouth the other day. When you saw that, like how how proud were you? Yeah, because he's another Arsenal product, like he's another one in training, like he, well, he's one's a joke in training. I like, oh, used to twist man up, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> tricks. Although sometimes with him, like they'll say to him, like Reese is only free touch. And he would still be twisting up, man. But it'd be creating a chance when like, there's only free touch. But with him, like, he's another one that has that raw street ability. So, like, and I have to give it to him. Someone has been patient. Like, he, I think before we played them, and he went even, I don't think he even played. Like, he was just chilling. So, like, <laughs> man, just chilling, you know. I have to respect him. Like, came on, he's delivered. Every time he's come on to play, he's delivered. Season, I think yeah. he's been the most impactful sub this season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, I have to give it to him to, to I remember be able that to do Bournemouth that. game, innit? Like I checked Arsenal 2 0 down. Then I refreshed the YouTube algorithm. I mm-hmm. saw him celebrating 3 2. I'm like, yeah. Arsenal, they're doing this. Yeah, they're, so they're, like, you get me for some so for someone to be able to do that and you're not playing regularly, to have that elite mindset to know that you're going into a game and I'm going to do my thing, make sure like I help the team win. I have to rate it. Because mm, we don't want to take too much of your time, and we've got like a train to catch us. We're stuck hey, in, yeah, we're, we're going to be stuck in Manchester. And yeah, Boy. but in terms of you, I want to end on you, bro. Like, you've had a successful career so far. Like, you know, you come from the ends, you've made it out, you supported your family and stuff, you're doing your thing. So, obviously, I respect you for that. But in terms of your personal career, like, what's your aims and objectives? Because, you know, you're, you're going to be 27 in a couple of months. Still young, these, still yeah, still young, young but I'm these are the prime ages. You know, yeah. Some people are in their 30s. Hey, no, but he's got we'll six weeks. Up. He's got we'll six weeks. Up. Six weeks left of his 20s. Oh, yeah, so he's trying to get that in every part. He's cashing in. He's cashing in. But yeah, like in terms of, yeah, like where do you want your career to go to? Because I see you, I see someone with ability. You're maturing like a fine wire, getting better as you age. You understand what I'm saying? So what do you want to achieve? Like, I want to play, like, I've played Champions League, I had that taste. I want to get back playing there again. I want to play in the best competitions possible. I want to play in another World Cup, maybe another two. I want to take, I want to win the African Cup of Nations. Nigeria was close, came third once. So I'd like to be, I'd like to be involved in as many competitions and earn some personal trophies for myself. Like, of course, it's hard to get assists when you know people like the Bruyne on. Yeah, you know, these man, like, yeah. And they're playing at the, they're, no disrespect, they're, but they're playing they're with clubs, world they're, class. Yeah, so... So yeah, like I would like to to be amongst that one day. That, that's everyone's dream. 
So hopefully one day I can fulfil that. And Everton fans will sort of be watching and thinking, oh, Alex Awobi, like, is there any news in terms of your future? Like, he's our, our best player right now. So <laughs> what are you thinking in terms of the next 12 months? Because the clock's ticking on your contract. I call it the danger zone. When you're within that last 18 months, there's movement one way. It's either the club cash in or you get that new yeah. contract. You understand? Yeah. So what, what what can you say to Everton fans? Oh, like I say is that I haven't, I'm not really paying attention to that. I'm just focused about making sure Everton stays in the Premier League and push on. So in terms of contract, you guys are going to have to wait because I'm still waiting. I don't know what's going on. Cool. Yeah, I must say, bro, you've been... yeah. This I, I think again best podcast you, you know hey, all, these, all <laughs> you other guys that you're podcasting <laughs> no, 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 no no for all like it's yeah. when we have certain man especially from South like Ezzy yeah, yeah. Eddie just something clicks yeah. it's just yeah, I like podcasts like this where I could just chill and just talk how I like, relax like I like this sort of don't want to say like because people in some interviews just feels like again the same answers over again and again mm. so like, what have you had to think here as this challenge you think oh you know this is just no because I can feel like I'm just talking to my boys I feel yeah. like I'm just chilling innit yeah. whereas interviews you have to say yeah we've done very well man like we're going to improve the season like, take you know, each game as it comes you know, game, another, three, come, points, another yeah. three points well yeah <laughs> we're battling hard but here like I'm just chill like I just talk over on the talk so mm. if podcasts like this like Andrea and I know people love coming on feel comfortable to talk however they want to talk no, yes, I love my bro. Yeah, love my bro. So obviously, last one before we wrap up, life outside of football. Because we know you're a man of many... Man of culture, talents, drip, culture drip, fashion, <laughs> content creation. Talk to us about what you do outside of the game. Outside of the game, I like to enjoy. I like to enjoy a lot. My boys, my family, everyone knows. Um, dabble in music part-time. Started to create a few things on YouTube. I like to get engaged in charities and communities because like, I want everyone to have that. Like, I know... If, of what I can do with my football just me, even me going somewhere like it can change someone's life and I only learned that like recently so like as much as I can do to help out but I just like to enjoy as well so that's me I do like fashion as well sometimes we came on black today kept it simple oh, yeah I just like to enjoy life mm. that's how my mum and dad want me to live I want my parents to enjoy my sister to enjoy so that's me, man. So in terms of music, you said you create me. What capacity is that producing? Is that rapping? Is that getting behind the mic? Are we going to see you making some video on GRM Daily soon? Hey. <laughs> or like what capacity? Um, obviously, it's difficult to, because you have to get the balance. You don't want to do that. And then like, your football's not going well, so you need to focus on football. But I think that's a mentality that needs to get weeded out. Unfortunately, it won't. Unfortunately, yeah, yeah, I think it's like, no, no disrespect, but like, if your football's doing the doing the talking as well, like for example, no one says anything to Ben's mouth when yeah, signing a yeah. post of a, a Bugatti. No one says yeah. no one says nothing to Memphis when Memphis is bagging for Atletico Madrid. Like no one says nothing. Rafael Leal doing music videos, but like he's no disrespect to Tottenham, but he's like doing anything against Tottenham, playing well, but getting man of the match performances. That was an Arsenal dig right there to Tottenham. No, 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 no. Like, <laughs> Rafael kids, man. No, no digs. No digs. I keep it respectful to all the Tottenham men out there. But like, <laughs> but like, yeah, like if your football's even talking, like, enjoy your life. Like, that's why I have to get that balance. As much as I'm enjoying life privately, I'm not going to show like me doing music when everyone's not doing well. I have to have respect for everyone mm-hmm. as well. So, in terms of like charity as well, I think that's big. Very big, yeah. People don't really talk about it. Again, there's this perception. Obviously, we don't wear that hat as our footballers earning X amount of money. Look at yeah. them. You understand? We don't think like that. But in terms of charity, like what are you doing 
in terms of giving back? Like what, what sort of initiatives are you involved in? So for example, recently me and my Project 17 lot, Big up project yeah. seven. Big up, big <laughs> up the team. We got the man them in the yeah, back. In the group chat, he's in the group chat. Don't know if you're gonna expose him now. <laughs> no, yeah, no, it's like it's actually his local team that recently we sponsored kit for. So like, I even got the opportunity to go see them, and they even came to watch one of my. What game was it? They come. Needs. Needs, and we won. So mm. they come to watch the game. They brought you the luck, yeah. Yeah, so there's a, there's a bag of them. There was like, how many, man? 30, man? 20, man? There's bears of them come to the game. So like, sponsoring kits, went to Ireland to, for like, there's a, a minority group that like, held like a tournament. So for me, just to go there and show face support, pick it up. Went to see the mayor of, of Ireland. So like, yeah, like just doing a lot of things like that. But it's just the beginning. I want to get involved in a lot more and help out as many ways as I can. Because mm, I think football as well, like, while you have your relevance, you're still young, you need to be setting up for the future, of course. if you understand. So like, in terms of investments outside of the yeah. game, I always ask footballers, like, yeah. what are you doing? Because you hear so many stories, like, yeah. you've heard examples of players and X, Y, and Z, yeah, and within five, six years, you're like, oh, like, it's a fall yeah. from grace kind of thing. Yeah. So like, what are you personally doing to protect your wealth? All my boys know, <laughs> me straight houses, I've, I'm not going to say how many I've got, but I've got a lot. And I've, I'm, I'm grateful because my dad helped me from early. My uncle was the one that, JJ Okocha, like he, he showed me from early, like as soon as you're getting paid, houses, 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 That is the most reliable way. Some people have their own like crypto and all of that. Yeah. But my dad tell, told me like, stick to houses. Because like, mm, you, you can see it, you can feel it, you can go in it, you can visit yeah, it. Yeah, you can't just take yeah, a house Some people, some people probably say watches. I, watches, I'm still learning about it and mm. all that and, like, art, like galleries, like, I bought some sculptures a couple, like, couple months ago or something like that. But my dad always says that houses is the best way and I've got a few still. No, that's good. What, hair and abroad? Like, Actually, no, nah, all in, no, nah, my dad said, don't yeah, do that. Like, you always say, yeah, like, uh, uh, don't do that. if it's done well, <laughs> but where I don't, we don't know too much or en enough to know that it's going to be an investment. I haven't mm -hmm. done it yet. Emphasis on yet. Yeah, I don't know, I might do it. But yeah, no, there's a lot in, in ends, a lot in like Essex, new builds and- Jeez, know. no, I love that, man. Yeah, I, just, no. I just love seeing players like mm -hmm. sort themselves out, man. That's what it's all about. Yeah. Obviously, last one before our closing tradition. Um, in terms of music, speaking of nines, we see Afrobeats dominating the scene at the minute. Who are you messing with? Who am I messing with right now? I've always, obviously, always been a big Whiskered fan. Mm -hmm. Always, always been a big whiskey fan. Burn no dots thinking Wiz or Burner. I know. Oh, my guy's Ashake. Ashake. Really? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. my guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, everyone loves Ashake still. <laughs> everyone loves him. Um, Omale, Buju. Yeah. Yeah, Buju. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a few to be fair, but obviously, I'll, I'll say between my favourite right now, Buju and Whiskey. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. yeah, so like I'm I'm done. As I said, bro, you've been so yeah. open, transparent. I think fans, football fans, are gonna love the insight because that's what we try and do on this platform. Yeah. Give a unique spin on the game. And I think you've given that man. Like Everton fans are gonna love what you've said. Again, they always tell us that Alex, he's been our best player this season. He's the one, if we're to pick one player, befitting of wearing the shirt, it's Alex Awobi, hundred and ten percent each game, seven assists plays wherever the manager wants him, gives 
you know, hundred percent. So like, big up to you, man. Thanks, bro. Obviously, that. we wish you success for the season. Yeah, man, and obviously, you, we're Liverpool fans, so you know, no, I, I I the, that yeah, yeah, right yeah, at yeah, the yeah. end. So, <laughs> <laughs> I about Everton fans, they're not gonna come for you. <laughs> Honestly, no, but on the real, there's a closing tradition on this podcast where we ask the guests that we're interviewing to recommend a potential guest in football to come onto the platform after experiencing the TBG experience. So if you had to recommend a guest, it could be anyone in football that you will help us. And we're going to get onto you, uh, get onto cool. this platform. Who would it be? Uh, there's two people I'm going to recommend. Um, in fact, three. Tamari Gray, because I'm with him every day. He's got, his stories. would definitely be one that you guys enjoy. Ola Einar, someone that I've I grew, grew, I grew up with Ola Bermondsey, yeah, Uncle he, Femi. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, Uncle yeah, Femi. yeah, yeah, well, bro. He used to take us to school in oh, the Perjo, Black Perjo. We grew up oh, in Bermondsey. So it'll be even be the East. Yeah. Well, Obviously, I've got Ola's yeah, number, yeah, but yeah. Ola's just lax with it. He's yeah. like, Ola's acting brand new. Yeah, man. Because I think it's you, man, that you said you want to travel anywhere. You man go to Turin then. Ah, yeah. Now we're going to do something Apart from Ola. I think Ola will happen. Tomorrow, Gray, Ola Einar, and I say true back pump. Oh, he's ah, Chuba's having a glow up. He's, he's having a, yeah. a hot boy summer. He's a hot boy <laughs> yeah, winner. He's yeah. on fire. Yeah, yeah and obviously Chuba and, and Ola grew up with. So I'll say those two, Dimmy cool. as well. Cool. So we're gonna leave it there. That's another episode of the Beautiful Game podcast. Look, shout out to Alex. He's yeah, been an amazing. Been guest. elite. Over and out. Peace. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.